So I receive um, in a, a daily email from something called World Watch Monitor. Anybody receive that? Any of you have computers? No, just okay. Uh, so it's called World Watch Monitor, and it uh, reports on persecution that the church is facing around the world. And it's kind of a daily um, report. Uh, from the last two weeks, I w I'm just going to read you the headlines from four days uh, of the last two weeks. Two days ago, November 23rd, this was the headline. Central African Republic, two priests among dozens massacred as Islamic militants raid church compound. November 22nd, two pastors among seven killed by Islamist militants in Eastern Democratic Republic of Con Congo. November 13th, Nigerians call for American Christian aid worker Jeff Woodkey's release two years after his abduction. And then November 12th, the title was Next Time We Will Not Survive, Middle East Christian Refugees. As many as 80% of Syria's Christians have left their country since the start of the Civil War in 2011, while 50% of Iraq's Christians have been uprooted since 2006. That's some incredible statistics. Uh, it says the arrival of ISIS was only the tipping point of a trend already gathering pace as Christians have experienced an overall loss of hope for a safe and secure future. Uh, it's kind of hard for us to imagine, isn't it? Um, when we live in such safety and, and security when our brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing incredible opposition and persecution. Uh, it's hard for us to understand. Uh, but opposition in any way is hard, right? Do you like people to make fun of you? Well, you're sick if you do. No, I'm <laughs> the, uh, I, I, as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know what I hated being called when I was younger? A goody two shoes, right? Any of you? You don't have to admit it. Okay. The and I don't even know what goody two shoes means. I was trying to understand what anyway. The but it's almost like you didn't want to be good because you didn't want to be called a goody two shoes. Uh, I don't know what kind of maybe opposition some of you have experienced. Maybe as a student. Um, you received a bad grade on a paper because you dared in a science class to challenge the theory of evolution. <laughs> Maybe you missed out on a promotion at work because you didn't fit in with the culture as a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's uh, well something that uh, Daniel experienced a couple of weeks ago following an incredible gala fundraiser in Tacoma for the Coffee Oasis uh, raised 130000 in one night um, to, for the Coffee Oasis to expand into Tacoma. 
uh, he posted it online and immediately was an onslaught of opposition of people we call trolls, but uh, just vicious in their opposition to the thought of a coffee, coffee oasis. Um, a lot of people are really scared by the thought of a faith-based social service organization moving into their community. I remember, this was years ago, maybe five years ago, when we were in the process of, as the Coffee Oasis, expanding into Paul's Bow. It was the first ruthless newspaper letter to the editor that uh, targeted me and the Coffee Oasis. It was hard. I mean, this person called me all kinds of horrible things that we'd never met um, and said all kinds of horrible things about the Coffee Oasis. Um, and it was like, wow, how could people say those kind of things? Uh, people that don't even know me. Um, you know, unless you're a masochist, I mean, those kind of things hurt, don't they? When somebody opposes you, uh, when somebody talks bad about you, slanders you, falsely accuses you. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that we should go around with a chip on our shoulders, though, right? Um, because, honestly, I understand why a lot of people say a lot of things they do, because a lot of horrible things and hateful things have been done by people that call themselves Christians. Um, but that doesn't make it any easier. And as we're going to come today, um, we're going to ask ourselves, how do we keep going when, when it's tough to keep going? When, um, when people are saying things about you or they're shunning you or they're looking the other way or they're kind of looking at you different or they're treating you different, how do you keep going? Whether you're a student in school or it's, maybe it's your family, maybe for some of you Thanksgiving was awkward because of who you are. Um, how do you keep going? How do we keep going when it's tough to keep going? We're going to come to 1 Thessalonians this morning, and it's an incredible passage, as we're going to see, because it was a group of people in Thessalonica who were experiencing, as far as I can tell, in the New Testament, maybe more persecution, more opposition than any other group of followers of Jesus uh, at that time. And what we're going to learn, I think the big idea is just simply, when you're going through a tough time, maybe when there's opposition, there's, there's slander, there's things being said about you, um, there's two things. Remember the basics and know who you are. Well, you just think about that. Remember the basics. We're going to talk about that. And know who you are. First Thessalonians. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. This is Paul wrestling, writing to the church at Thessalonica. He says, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God that he has chosen you 
because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. And you know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Those things almost don't seem like they go together, do they? Severe suffering and joy. And so these believers in Thessalonica going through incredible suffering became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So this is how we're going to proceed as we look at these verses. First, we're going to look at the setting, and we're going to see what they, what they went through. And, I th and the reason for that is as we look at what they were experiencing, I think it, it should help us to understand that whatever we're going through, it was nothing like what they were going through. And so their example, like is described here, should be a great example for us. And then we're going to look at um, just the basics that helped them to keep going when the going was tough and then understanding who they were. The setting, we're just going to look at a bunch of verses starting in Acts chapter 17. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Ap Apollonia, sorry, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. And as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Well, some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, and they formed a mob, and they started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other believers before the city officials, saying, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house, and they are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. And, and this is maybe what some of you have gone through. People are saying things that they don't have any bearing on the truth at all. And then when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, as Paul moved on from Thessalonica to Berea because of the persecution in Thessalonica, some of the Thessalonians went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. 2 Corinthians 8. Notice it says, this is Paul, he's writing to the Corinthians about the example of the Thessalonians. He says, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Thessalonica was one of them. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Man, these are incredible people. First um, Thessalonians chapter two. Brothers and sisters, you became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. 
So some of them, they're suffering. Some of them are being killed for their following Jesus. And then Second Thessalonians, one more, chapter 1. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. And these people were going through some incredible opposition and persecution, suffering. Yeah, what an incredible example. What made them these kind of people in the midst of suffering, not becoming bitter, not becoming angry, not, not pulling away into a shell or, or shutting up and not talking about Jesus so they don't have to suffer, but being these incredible examples of faith and perseverance and joy in the midst of suffering. How do, how do we keep going when the going gets tough? Um, if we could just go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, um, it's, it's verse 3, it says, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's those basics. And I just want to share about those for a second. It, the first one, it says, your work produced by faith. Literally, it just says, your work of faith, your work, the way you kept going because of your faith. It was their faith in the midst of persecution and suffering that kept them going. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This is great. I am really putting them to work today, doing a great job. <laughs> it says, faith is... It's, it's like blind faith. You know, you, you, you just don't, you, you, there's no reason, there's no rationale. You just close your eyes and you go for it, right? No, that's not faith. That's how some people describe faith. It's kind of like, well, it doesn't make sense, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it anyway. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance. It's a conviction about what we do not see. It's a confidence and assurance that keeps us going in the midst of opposition and difficulty. In fact, Hebrews 11 at the end, verse 35 to 38, this is what it says at the end of this faith chapter. It says, some women received back their dead, raised to life again, but there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, sawed in two, killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Why in the world would people go through that? It's because they had a confidence a conviction, a certainty, an assurance rooted in the word of God. There's a beautiful, actually it's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It talks about this assurance that they had that gave them this confidence in the midst of persecution. You know, it says, Paul writes to them in chapter 2, he says, we thank 
God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. That's what made a difference in their lives. It's this, this word that was spoken to them, this, this word of God, the Bible that we have, they saw not just as men's words, but as the very words of God, which gave them a certainty, a confidence, and a conviction to go through what they were going through. Faith isn't just like, ah, it doesn't make sense, but I'll, 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 I'll give it a whirl. But it's, I know the one in whom I'm placing my faith, my confidence. It's, this is an illustration. Let's say that if the ceiling was a little higher, I stood on top of the piano, which my wife wouldn't like because she's a piano player. And then I said, I'm going to, somebody come up and I'm going to turn my back and I'm just going to fall over backwards and somebody catch me, right? I'm just going to have faith that you're going to catch me. What would we call that? Call that stupid, yeah? (laughs) Unless I knew you, right? And I trusted you because I knew you. And I knew that you wouldn't like, (laughs) sorry, Dave. Uh, That's what faith is. And that's what kept these Thessalonian followers of Jesus going when the going was really tough because of their faith. They had this confidence in who their God was. But let's assume that the opposition gets worse. Um, what keeps us going when it keeps getting worse? So we go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It, we see a progression. Notice it says your, your work of faith or your work because of your faith and then it says your labor and it actually intensifies the word. So the word work becomes labor or toil. So things are getting hard and as things are getting harder the persecution, the opposition intensifies. It says It's a labor or toil because of love, because of love. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 captures this really well. This is Paul again. He says, Christ's love compels us, motivates us, because we are convinced that one died for all, Jesus died for all, and therefore all died in him, we all can die to our sins and be alive in Jesus, our sins forgiven because he died for us on the cross. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. For it's Christ's love that compels us. Molly uh, stole my thunder because we're going to look at Romans chapter 8 here. This incredible love that Paul says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from this love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, it's, it's so important to see that this love that compels us isn't my love for Jesus, 
but it's understanding his incredible love for me. Um, you know, if I'm experience, experiencing opposition from me, it's going to make me hard to love you, right? If you're saying nasty things about me, I'm going to have a hard time loving you. But what this verse is saying and what the Thessalonians got as they were experiencing intense opposition is they, they so got Jesus' incredible, amazing, sacrificial, substitutionary love for them that their eyes were so turned upon Jesus that, that the persecution dimmed and they were able to just keep going and loving the people that opposed and persecuted and, uh, them. A labor because of love. Um, but it, let's assume it keeps getting worse. First, back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It's this work because of faith, work produced by faith, a labor prompted by love, but notice then it goes to endurance. I mean, things, they, they just keep getting worse. And now it's kind of like they're hanging on by the skin of their teeth. Their, their work has become labor, toil has become just they're enduring the, the opposition, the slander, the false accusations. What keeps them going? It's this endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. The... Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 19, Paul says this. He says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If we only for this life have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Why does Paul say that? It's simply this. In, in 2 Timothy, he says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will We'll be persecuted. We'll experience opposition. If, if we want to follow Jesus, there's going to be times when people aren't going to like that and they're going to oppose that. Um, and so our hope must extend beyond this life because if suffering and opposition is to be expected here, it has to extend beyond this life or Paul's saying we're stupid. Um, but if our hope is eternal, it will be a hope that perseveres through persecution. Hebrews 12. Jesus is a great example of this. Notice, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Did you see that? <laughs> Jesus didn't think, oh, the cross, this is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> he endured the cross because of the joy set before him, scorning its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, breaking the bonds of sin, conquering, breaking the bonds of death, and, and making a way for us 
to experience eternity with him. So consider him who endured such opposition from sinners for the joy set before him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So why do I exercise when I do? Well, the main reason is because if I exercise, Cindy will give me a kiss. It's because she wants me to live longer. <laughs> and a lot of the reason I exercise is, is for her. It's the reward. It's the hope. You know, there's a lot of false and fleeting promises that can get us through, kind of get us through, quick fixes through tough times. But there's one hope, an eternal hope, that can get us through persecution. So how do these people have this faith and this love and this hope, this confidence? How do they have it? Well, as we come to the end of, we're just going to quickly look at the end of 1 Thessalonians 1. It's because they knew who they were. Um, yeah, if we can go back to Verse 3, please. There we are. Notice, because they knew some things, and this is what's so important. I just want to summarize. For we know, brothers and sisters, they knew four things. Number one, they were loved by God. First John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See how great a love the Father has shown us that that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. What incredible love the Father has lavished on us. That we, that's what we are. We're loved by God. We can go back to 1 Thessalonians 1. That's the first thing they got that. The second thing is, notice it says, loved by God, that he has chosen you. You're chosen by him. Isn't that incredible? This is so important. We are his kids because he wants us, because he chose us before we even thought about him. He wanted us. He chose us. He set his gaze upon us. Romans 5, 8 says, he showed his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, he loved us. Notice it goes on. He says, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction, power we're loved by him we're chosen by him and this incredible power where simply he didn't choose us but he did what needed to be done in order that we could be his kids Ephesians 2 is such an incredible passage where it talks about how we were dead in our sins spiritually dead 2 Corinthians talks about how we're spiritually blind we can't see not a lot happens in cemeteries right I mean people are dead and dead people can't do a lot, and that's how we were described. But in our deadness, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, he, because of his great love, made us alive with Christ. Isn't that incredible? That's who we, who we are is because of who he is and, and his love for us and his choice of us and him making us alive in Christ. You know how we lived among you for your sake. 
we can just go to the end of that passage. It says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with this joy given by the Holy Spirit. Man, we need to get that. That if we get how loved we are and how much he wants us, he's chosen us, he's the one that's made us alive in Christ. When we were still sinners, he died for us. That's when in the midst of, it doesn't matter what we're going through, what we're experiencing, the, the false accusations, the slanders, the, the looks in the other direction. We can have this incredible joy, not a fleeting fix, but this incredible joy in the Holy Spirit. Um, if we can just go back, Second Timothy chapter 1, this is, I just want to end with this verse. Paul says this, as he's writing to Timothy, he says, of this gospel I was appointed a, a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. So Paul suffered a lot because of being a follower of Jesus. But notice he says, yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. That's Paul's testimony. Um, and that's what we all need to know. We, we're just convinced. We know who he is who we believe in and, and who we are as his kids. So living by faith and hope and love, nothing can rock us. It doesn't matter what people are saying. That's good news. Um, I experienced this again yesterday as I received uh, another email yesterday passed on to me. Uh, by someone opposing the Coffee Oasis expanding into a nearby community. These, these emails and articles, they happen all the time. Um, how do you get through those? So I got this email again yesterday. It was a typical email communicating false information about who we are and seeking to convince others that the Coffee Oasis would be detrimental to their community because we're a faith-based organization. Um, you know, in the past, emails like this would have rocked me. In fact, it was a few months ago that I just became so weary thinking about expanding into another community because it was like, how can I, how can I endure the onslaught of opposition and false accusations and slander again? Um, from people that don't know us, don't really care to know us, they just want to oppose us um, and I was so weary and yet this passage in First Thessalonians has been so incredibly encouraging and helpful to me where it would have devastated me for you know kind of there was a time when I went through kind of like nobody loves being everybody hates me I think I'll go eat worms kind of day you know <laughs> uh, but but the more I've come to understand who he is and that I'm his and this incredible walk of faith and love and hope, understanding his love and the hope that is mine 
and the incredible that God that he is, and I'm his. And it, it really doesn't matter what people say about us, does it? I mean, it, it can still hurt. But there's in, this incredible ability to just continue to follow Jesus and walk with him because it doesn't matter what people say about me because I know what he thinks about me and what he's saying about me. And as long as I'm following him, I'm not, I'm not doing stuff to justify people saying bad things about me, but following him and, and my confidence rooted in him, it doesn't matter. What about you? I don't know what you're going through, but I do know, like Paul said, we can know whom we believe and be convinced that he is able to guard what we've entrusted to him until that day. And with incredible joy, like the Thessalonians, in the midst of severe suffering, incredible joy. Not a poor me attitude, but an incredible joy as we follow him who has done such incredible things for us. Let's pray. Father, oh, what an amazing God you are. What an amazing salvation that is ours in Jesus. Father, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus and let the things of this world, the things maybe that people are saying or will say, just kind of like water off a duck's back, fall away because we know who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen.